It's often been said that some of the most interesting conversations in affiliate marketing happen in the pub, whether that's the one next to the office or the chandelier bar on the Vegas Strip. This time we joined Steve and Mark talking to our old friend Charlie Calabrese, covering some of the thorniest issues facing the industry, selling to CEOs and where the business is going. We joined him in a breakout from a recent PI Live. I'm very pleased to welcome Charlie Calabrese to Affiliate Pub Takeaways. We're here at PI Live the day before the show gets going. So Charlie's over from the US and we're very pleased he's here with us because he's actually started a new role at All Inclusive Marketing after about 15 years at Partnerize. 13, yeah. Yeah, 13. 15. I'll take 15. 13, yeah. Been a long, it was a good run. It's a wonderful place. And you left about two months ago. Just about, yeah, 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 yeah. And still have regular contact with them. Really nice folks. Really happy to still be working with them. But you know, after 13 years, a little bit of change isn't going to hurt anybody. Absolutely not. And actually, one of the things that's great to have you here for is 13 years of working at a network, 13 years of working with advertisers, 13 years of working with publishers. You're now, as president, the number one person in an agency. Yeah. It's going to have made you think about affiliate marketing differently, looking forward about affiliate marketing differently, and that's what we'd quite like to explore, is um, how you're looking at the industry differently going forward. Yeah, the world has changed for me, that's for sure. I'm very excited to figure out those changes as I go forward, too, because, again, I don't think you can know a business inside of two months. It takes time, but I'm getting there, certainly getting there. And you mentioned something before we started about the structure of AIM that I wasn't aware of that actually gives it a, a lot of strength within the, the wider advertising community. Yeah, so AIM was acquired about two, two and a half years ago by a company called The Plus Company. And The Plus Company is a entrepreneurial holding for 27 agencies, everything from brand to search to social, display, and we all sort of work as a family in that regard. So we're the only performance agency in their 27. So it's it's a really nice opportunity for us to sort of educate those other 26 agencies and to be perfectly honest, work with some of their clients as well. And is it just North America or global? They're a pretty global organization, which I'm really thankful for. It's My experience has been that everything I've touched in affiliate works better when you think of it on global terms. But I think the focus for our business at AIM is very much English-speaking countries for now because yeah. one of the things I will say is there there are cultural differences from country to country, whether it's Canada versus the United States or the United States versus the UK. Every country's got its own sort of cultural dynamic, especially in affiliate. So we're at a juncture in affiliate marketing too. So Canada's just starting to put in some privacy law requiring more consent platforms. The US is definitely down that route. Mm. And Google doing the first tranche, literally 1% of people being moved off yeah. third-party cookies. Well. So how does that make you look forward for planning with your clients? I think it all comes down to the initial setups that we have to have those conversations around, making sure that people understand how that data needs to live up to the standards, whether it's the California Privacy Act, Quebec's Privacy Act, you know, the larger GDPR offerings. They're going to keep coming, right? There's no doubt in my mind that we'll continue to see more and more. So things are going to change as we move forward. But 
it's all about making sure people understand there are best practices and then sort of giving them the suggestions on what those best practices are. I will say changes every six months. And I think the one that people should be paying the most attention to is the changes that are coming from Apple. I really believe Apple's changes to the way that they do tracking are the ones that will be most significant as we move forward. I think Apple, in general, holds their cards pretty tight to the best. They don't share a lot about exactly what's going to happen, whereas if you look at what Google has said or what Firefox did, you know they're pretty open about what's coming. I think Apple to this point, their approach is they're going to be making changes when you're in private viewing mode. But you have to assume they'll move forward from that. Yes, I would agree. And the way you've described it is the way I describe it is today, you don't have to be too worried about it. Yeah. But Apple have definitely flown the flag for privacy for the consumer. And whether you like it or not, that's what they continue to do. 100%. And they own a good chunk of the operating systems that consumers use. Another thing that's become evident to me in the last few months, I was at an event that had a great panel talking about measurement, and it spurred me into realising how important it is for the company to have a single source of truth but to know when it's using a source of truth, actually whether it's accurate or not. And affiliate tracking is a great source of truth if it works. Analytics is a great source of truth if it works, but people don't really know why the two diverge well enough to nail their flag to the mast of which one they want to invest in. But that always confuses me and it has for a long time, right? When you make the decision to go into affiliate, why isn't there a complete belief in your affiliate tracking platform. Why do you trust Google Analytics completely? Why do you trust Adobe completely? Historically, why would you say you trusted Dart completely? Because you believe in the industry. They have many clients. They have referrals that you've gone through. Why is affiliate any different is something that always has confused me in general, if I'm honest. Yeah, the way that I've rationalized that in my mind is if you use GA or you use Adobe, you're measuring three, four, five channels mm. in in one platform. You tag them up in a not dissimilar way and you can see everything in the one dashboard and you sort of forget the limitations of the different methods. And actually often affiliate is the one that has the most obvious alternative measurement solution, which is from the affiliate network. So it's the one that is the outlier by having two methods of measurement. And you've got to really understand two setups and the difference before you can confidently say which you prefer as your single source of truth. Yeah, I, I don't disagree that you have to do the setups properly, but if you've got, as you described it, four or five things set up on GA, mm -hmm. but affiliate is one thing, and you can tie it back pretty easily to the number of transactions that you saw. I've always questioned why not trust something that is a single source versus multiple. And I definitely agree with you. And actually in our podcast with Jim Nichols, that was one of the things that I really took away is how does a marketing department 
invest more in the affiliate channel and part of that is believing in your data believing if you invest more in a campaign you know the measurement of that campaign is accurate in my mind the only way you can truly do that is by using the affiliate tracking because the GA application just isn't good enough and it's not even in the best of circumstances, it's rarely tied back to the transaction and click as tightly as you're going to get mm. from affiliate, right? But mm. affiliate in general has always been pay to play. You are only paying people when they're following through and you're seeing the sales. So it seems to me that that's lower risk than say programmatic or, or even something like Facebook ads or like social ads mm. or search, right? If you take affiliates, I think one of the challenges for affiliates still remains that it sits outside of that advertising ecosystem. It doesn't get considered when it should. And I think that's the biggest problem affiliate faces as a channel, right, across the board, right? Uh, I don't think people consider affiliate part of their marketing efforts exclusively, but that's because of the way affiliate works, right? Depending on who you're talking to, and like if you talk to a client and you ask them, What's their budgets look like? Some clients will say, this it's part of my marketing budget because it's driving brand awareness or I'm driving an opportunity. Wonderful. But I've worked with plenty of organizations who think of affiliate as a sales channel. It's cost of sale. Sure. Right? It's, Absolutely. it's cost of sale, right? So then it becomes, well, I have this much budget to spend because it's been allocated. But does that make sense in affiliate, that you're allocating a budget the same way that you allocate a budget for? Well, of course not. I mean, yeah. this is this is the whole challenge. I, I think it's interesting that you say it's the channel. I think the representation too, although it is harder to represent How do you it, differentiate? Sorry. So the channel is, it has to work in a certain way. It's, it's broadly best not to be budgeted. It's broadly best to be scared. Sure, sure, it's sure, broadly sure, sure. best as pay to play. Okay, yep. But as soon as I say those three things, then I'm not considered in the same conversation I, yes. as a hundred million pound TV spend. Right, right. And suddenly they become two very distinct things. Right. And so we want the respect that the advertising channels get, but it's very hard to position it in the same way. And I'm not saying affiliate is not respected, but the, the fact is we have to find a way to position it to these brands on a broader level. Going back really? to your point, right, the, the Dart, Google or GA, Adobe, you choose one of them, you do your work with one of them, Yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. The problem with affiliate is we're just completely undermining each other often and telling the others that my network is best, that only I do first party cookies, that only I do... You laugh, but the problem no, is no, it's you're still not a lot no, of... Sorry, you're not you know, It's almost bitterness it's, between people it's, rather it's than infighting. positioning. And I think a big part of that comes to the way that because affiliate doesn't represent itself as a whole, to a larger body of marketers, right? But truth be told, affiliate is always talking to affiliate, mm -hmm. right? Affiliate is never stepping out of its comfort zone and saying, how do I present affiliate as a whole to a larger industry body of marketers? And I think that's the big shortcoming for affiliate in general. And again, I think it partially infighting how do you convince people outside of our affiliate bubble that affiliate is valuable if you're always There's fighting with each other? There's naturally a business versus business thing, but I do think that we don't do ourselves the service of talking it up. So then if the challenge 
in general is how do we bring more money into affiliate? Last year, I think, North America was $9 billion in, in the world of affiliate for, for marketing, right? Mm -hmm. $9 billion in the larger scheme of things, while I appreciate it, it's a big number, is nothing. Like, $9 billion to the larger marketing spend in North America is percentage points at best. The, the question continues to be, as far as I'm concerned, wh whether it was when I was uh, at Partnerize or while I'm now at All-Inclusive Marketing, how do we bring new dollars into the channel? Is it down to a pigeonholing of affiliate? If I'm going to spend a minute understanding affiliate, it's cashback, it's voucher, and it's sub-networks. And if that's what a CMO does, he'll move on to paid search. It makes you wonder, right? Is it actually a marketing channel at all? Should we even think about it as a marketing channel? It's a sales channel. It's there to generate sales. You've got to protect your brand. You need marketing involved, but actually you should really, as a brand, as an e-commerce brand, you should think about elevating this to a pure sales channel. It goes back to Charlie's point there. No, you but have to I... get a lot of people together to represent this well. Right. And and. The people that represent it need to all be willing to put their differences aside, whatever those differences may be, and say, we're not here to talk about ourselves. We're here to talk about the industry as a whole and how that industry can add value to your business. And I, in my opinion, in, in our space right now, it's a, it's a tough conversation. You're a partner, right? Do you think the industry is quite fragmented in that sense? Uh, that the, the networks struggle to have an open dialogue, a truly open, clear I, you know, I, I think so. You know, I, I've seen leads of the organizations, whether it's the CEO or the CMO, when there are multiple networks on stage together, and it's at an affiliate conference. It doesn't always feel like they're talking up the industry, all they're talking up is themselves. Do the CEOs of the affiliate networks end up at the big marketing conferences all on stage together or talking about affiliate, talking about other people's businesses? About well, I, I mean, that's sort of where my head goes, right? I mean, if you don't know affiliate, but it's come up many times, who would you want to hear from? You'd want to hear from the leaders of the biggest toolings that are available, I, I would think, right? Or you'd want to hear from a trade association. The challenge is that in, in the end, they will become very aware that the people in the room could be after their biggest ticket, their biggest client, yeah. their biggest secret. You know, yeah. it's a challenge. I, I yeah. do get the, I get the business challenge and I do feel for the business challenge. I think the point you're making is very strong though, that the representation, it goes back to that point, there's a massive ecosystem around Google. But Google certainly for a very long period of time was in intense competition with Yahoo and they all were competitive. So how did Google get in front, right? Google convinced people that it was more reliable. Google made its reach larger, made its systems more reliable. Google had to present itself to the marketing industry as the place that people wanted to be. I would argue that affiliate needs to start thinking that way and say, how do we get up the food chain? How do we talk to CMOs? How do we talk to CEOs? And say, why aren't you playing an affiliate, one? And two, what do you need to understand to be convinced to put more money into the larger channel, right? And that's. That needs to come from the most senior people in this industry. I agree.
So Salesforce, huge business. Mm-hmm. They don't service their clients except on how to use Salesforce, right? Correct. And an ecosystem has been built around that SaaS platform so that people can put their tooling into our, and I'm not oversimplifying, but let's call Salesforce a CRM for the sake of conversation, Mm -hmm. although it can be much more, right? So I think that's the difference in my mind. When, When people define themselves as a SaaS platform in our industry versus people who are traditional networks, they don't build ecosystems around themselves, whereas I think the SaaS players are trying to do that. That's interesting because are they trying or are they acquiring is another conversation for another day. You mentioned Salesforce. Salesforce has this most insane community around it too. And the structure and and the success of that business is, is absolutely a template for others to look at and say, how do I replicate that with my tooling, not just uh, by absolutely, having absolutely, absolutely. And I think this idea that the, the ecosystem around affiliate is limited is broadly down to not one dominant player. I know networks have looked at this, I know some have been more successful than others, but broadly I think they all generally struggle a little bit to position that because to push out a true ecosystem mm. has to be very independent. Well, and I, I think part of I use Salesforce as an example because I still think they're the biggest and the baddest and the best, right? But I also think that when you talk about affiliate, whether you talk about one network or you talk about all of the tooling across the board, none of them are even close to the size of something like a Salesforce, Mm -hmm. right? And though I don't love the term, I think affiliate is a niche industry because you sort of have to know it to be effective at it. Whereas a CRM should be fairly straightforward and easy to use. So I think the adoption of something like a Salesforce is gonna have much bigger numbers from Go. And I think that broad adoption brings in more money. More money means we can create a more robust marketplace. More robust marketplace means that we can start to build a community around it, right? I'm not sure that the dollars exist within affiliate especially, as you say, in a singular dominant player, to be able to do that. So how many brands are there that have really been built on affiliate marketing? You'll hear that so-and-so built themselves on TV advertising. And the only business I can think of that just went for affiliate marketing with gusto Mm. is Love Honey, formed by some ex-affiliates who realised that actually you know, getting 10% on their products was nice, but if they actually sourced them themselves, they'd make 30% profit. And then all of a sudden they decided that actually we've got this business importing stuff from China. Now we're going to grow it by affiliate marketing. I couldn't agree more. I can't think of, and I've I've actually been through this exercise quite recently, uh, an advertiser who built itself exclusively through affiliate, because I don't think affiliate is an ideal channel for brand marketing. People need to know your brand for affiliate marketing to really be successful. And that actually takes you back to a question about 15 years ago. If you've got a publisher presenting offers from a sports retailer Mm -hmm. that is actually selling items from Nike, whose brand is actually generating the sale? 
You have, it, to read the, you have to read the terms and conditions you agreed to, I suppose. Well, but which brand is the consumer buying into? Are they buying into publisher site X? Are they buying into retailer Y? Or are they buying into Nike or Reebok or Adidas at the, the back end? Yeah, that end? brand, yeah. I mean, and so who, whose brand name is driving the sale? Well, and again, when it comes to sort of that boutique retail offering, I, I don't know that you will ever know exactly who they're right mm. I, but i guess my question would be the publisher knows their audience they know whether they are promoting it because of the brand or the reseller mm. right but i think the, the problem you face in that is how do i know affiliate is actually successful so, for so, me so what you're saying is the publisher is the ultimate marketer because they're the one that understands their audience, so they're the one that's fitting the audience to the product. I will, I will stand by that all day, every day, right? The reason affiliate came to be is because brands wanted to work with more and more publishers that had distinct and unique audiences that they may not be able to reach otherwise. That, that's the basis of affiliate as far as I'm concerned. How can I work with lots and lots of publishers, if I'm a brand, in a very effective way without having to sort of cut 30 checks a month or 100 checks a month or 5,000 checks a month? Yes, yeah, so what I found interesting is share sale for a long time have done their booklet of their top publishers sure, they would, yeah. where they would showcase their publishers, show what they're strong at, and A win have for the last few years. I was going to say, I think A-Win's adopted that. A-Win has now done that. It's a power 100. And should the Performance Marketing Association in the UK, should the Performance Marketing Association in the US actually say that the marketing is being done by the publishers, so let's actually promote the publishers and show what's unique about them, show what audiences they reach, and start the, the matching exercise from the publishers crowing about what what they're capable of. I, I think whether that's done formally or not, I think to a certain extent that is done, right? I mean, these publishers, especially sizable publishers, potentially the publishers in the Power 100, they are promoting themselves and they yeah. do on a regular basis, right? And actually at this show that we're sitting next to at the moment, there's probably 20, 30 publishers with stands. Well, and that's to say nothing of the publishers that are attending and meeting Absolutely. with the brands yeah. and are sending three and four and mm-hmm. five representatives. I, I think that when a network is founded, they have to consider the chicken and the egg proposition, right? Mm. Do you need the brands first or do you need the publishers first? And I don't think there's an absolute answer, but I lean towards you need your publishers to be present because what brand is going to work with you if you don't have some publishers well, ready to go? Via, that's how we grew. Yeah. We, we had a recipe for getting advertisers in Mm-hmm. But if advertisers didn't get any sales, they were gone. Yeah. So we had to have the biggest publishers on tap. Yeah. So we did a massive roadshow with publishers to get them to like us. Yeah, and, and you can pick up the phone and call someone and say, hey, I've got a new opportunity for mm-hmm. you, or you're meeting with them at events. The importance of publisher relationships is the most important piece of any business in this industry, in my opinion. If you don't have good relationships with publishers, you're going to have a problem. Whatever side of the business you look at, if it's a network, if it's a brand, if they don't have those positive relationships, they've got their own problems. You're in a room. Yep. 
You've got the PMA from the UK and the PMA from the US in front of you. Yeah. What's your biggest advice you could give them right now to have the impact that we all desire them to have? Help the people who are members of your organizations find ways to do outreach outside of affiliate. If these organizations want to be representatives and trade bodies for affiliate, which is the goal at the end of the day, a trade body promotes that industry outside of that industry as well. And I don't feel as though we do enough of that. I would say the surveys that we do that help us understand, you know, what is the dollar or pound or whatever it may be that's available in this vertical are incredibly valuable. But we're sharing that information internally. Who are we sharing it with externally? How do we get that word out? And I think if I were on the outside looking in as a CMO and I was interested in affiliate, I would say, well, is there a trade body related to it? Is there somebody who can give me numbers that aren't them selling themselves? So I know that publishers and networks go out to more general marketing shows. Sure. But they go out individually. Yep. You might have three networks there. If they pooled their money mm -hmm. and had one massive stage that said we are affiliate marketing, mm. that would be quite interesting for how they can actually have the conversation with the CMO. That's what I would love to see, 100%. I would love to see, and look, who do you have moderate that? You, you have that moderated by the trade body, mm. right? You bring in a moderator who is agnostic to all the things that those CEOs and CMOs on the on the stage are talking about. They want to talk about the industry as a whole, right? That's a far more interesting conversation and something that gets a much bigger audience, in my opinion, than, hi, my name is X, I'm from Y Network. I'd like to talk to you about affiliate marketing. Who's in that room, right? Not many people attend sessions that are glorified sales pitches, in my opinion especially if they're inevitably flagged as such. I think there's value in understanding what case studies can tell us, but I don't think an individual case study is going to tell a CMO, oh yeah, that's perfect. So it takes me back many, many years, 20 plus years, selling affiliate marketing to businesses that didn't do affiliate marketing. Yeah. So. I'm wondering now what we did to convince people that they should do affiliate marketing when they didn't do it. I mean, I, 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 you, were, you were here before me by a few years, my friend, so I can't say. But that's, and, the, that's a great question. And we probably had three years of winning top high street brands who've never done affiliate marketing before. Well, and, I, I asked this question recently to some folks that I thought were very, you know, well-equipped to consider it and I'll ask you the same way. Name for me the last brand that you can think of that was a 100% new to affiliate that is internet top 5,000 brands. I think the point you're making Charlie and I think it's right is the things we did 20 years ago even 15 years ago 
It's been and gone. Everybody, yeah. every brand, what is it? The, the stack has something like 83% of all e-commerce brands have an affiliate program. Right. Is that all? Well, the, the 17% that are left are probably quite small or, you know, different language. Mm. And again, to, if you go for the large mm. known brands to Charlie's right. point, top 5,000, you're going to get 90%, 95% plus. Right, right. So I don't think there's a, this is a challenge of convincing brands or e-commerce websites to get involved in affiliate marketing. It goes back to the treatment, how they treat affiliate marketing, how, how affiliate marketing is represented to them. I don't think we struggle to show the value in a sales mm. pitch. Mm -hmm. I think we struggle to show the value as an entire channel. As Jim Nichols said, being the affiliate manager is not the fast track to being CMO. No, that, that's, <laughs> a, that's a very fair point. And how do we, as an industry, make affiliate the fast track to being a CMO? Well, and, and part of it is showing the value that affiliate brings in general to an organization, right? I mean, the historic figure has always been, look, if people are in affiliate and they consider it part of their marketing budget, about 15% of their marketing budget gets allocated to affiliate. Well, how do we get it from 15 to 30? What do we need to do isn't for that, that to happen? Part, isn't that partly an inventory thing? I mean, if you, if you take that further out, 25% of it will go to, to Google AdWords. Sure. Now, that's because there's a huge amount of inventory. 25% yep. yeah, will yeah. go to Facebook and all the related parties. Is there more affiliate inventory out there? So if every business said, we're going to increase our affiritate budget by 30% in 2024, would they find the inventory? I think it's a wrong question. How do you make more of the inventory affiliate? I think that's an interesting question. I think one of the things that I was lucky enough to be a part of at Partnerize was part of their partnerships team, where it was us being focused on how do we grow available inventory? How do we make sure that our inventory is diversified? How do we make sure that we have the right relationships in place? And we can't pick up a phone and call somebody. And I don't think there was ever an absolute answer, but one thing that I still would love to see happen in this industry is for brands to become publishers. And you see that on a number of the technologies that are starting to pop up in our industry, right? This, this is interesting, partner marketing, the traditional version sure. of brand-to-brand -brand marketing. Right. Is, well, Amazon, for a start, took a whole huge amount of inventory right. and turned it into right. advertising inventory. Sure. I mean, one of the biggest advertising publishers in the world right now is Amazon. Right. And, and, you know, four or five years ago, it didn't exist. It's, sure. it's a smart move. There is a huge amount of inventory on baskets. There's a huge amount of inventory pre and post baskets. Post, yes. So yeah. much, right? So yeah. I totally agree. I think the concept of partner marketing and this idea that you can introduce a level of, let's go, lead generation sure. as opposed okay. to, to, to sales sale. yeah, yeah. at a basket that is linked with like-minded brands yeah. and brands you want to be associated yeah. with and yeah, yeah. want to be associated with each other. I think it's exactly the sort of innovation that, I, and I, that and we I need agree. to get to. And I, and I think if you look at a number of the publishers who are actually on the floor at PI Live, that's what they do. Right, and I do believe that that opportunity is so obvious to me. Right, if I've shopped at a store where I bought a hotel, I rented a car, I got my plane tickets. Well, afterwards, what? Why are you not showing them the experiences that they can have in the place that they're going to? You have this knowledge. You have a interested buyer. Why wouldn't yeah. you use that? 
I, I still sort of lean towards what are the new opportunities? And, and again, I'm not saying you shouldn't be working with your publishers. Everybody should be working with their publishers to find better ways to work together. But I still firmly believe if you go and look at another brand who is not inherently selling what you're selling, but you have similar audiences, that's the partnership that we need to facilitate. That's the partnership that affiliate can do wonders for, right? Because not every brand is fighting with every brand. Right? It is not direct competition. There are like-minded purchases that are there to be made. And that's sort of what we're here for, right? Whether you're cashback, loyalty, content creators, it doesn't matter. Our, our job, as far as the brand is concerned, is how can you sell more of my and stuff? One of the ultimate businesses that did that very successfully was the airline industry. Sure, With the magazine do. that used to be in the back of the seat. You got an hour in that seat and here's an advert for something that people like you like to buy. Here's an advert for the timeshare, your financial investment. Right. If you look at the publishers that are doing particularly well at the moment, a lot of them are airline carriers or the student beans where they have a very, you know, they have a distinct audience or the credit card companies are all leaning in pretty heavily to deals and offers that you couldn't get anywhere so Capital else. Capital One Shopping is probably Capital One mind, Shopping. Yeah. It's Air certainly. Canada is probably an airline. Bank of America has done very well with what they're doing mm. in recent days. That's just a brand, a business promoting another business because mm. they know that their audience is looking, right? But I think you can take it a step further. I think the idea of on-site tech in affiliates has certainly started to grow. It's got less risk for the yeah. advertiser in sure. terms of outlay. Some of them are actually revenue generating, others are conversion tools. Sure. So there's a clear path to why you'd want to use these on-site technologies. I, and I and think that's why you've seen the rise over the last two, three years. I guess what's surprising is we haven't seen any one of them particularly stand out as, as so much bigger than the other. As a big winner. Yeah, there's nobody that's yet gone all the way and said, I'm going to now mop up the rest and do, do you some think great big consolidation. Do you think that's partially because it, it takes an extra step in terms of getting it set up correctly? Is it the implementation process? I don't think that's the real barrier. I think part of the barrier reverses all the way back to that conversation about where affiliate sits. Mm. Because really, you're not selling an on-site tech to an affiliate manager. Right. You're selling it to the comm director. Yeah. You're selling it to the, you know, yeah, even the completely. marketing manager is probably out of the picture on this one because this isn't about promoting. It's about users. Yeah. It's about the users of your of your. It's experiential. Of, of your site. Yeah, yeah. It's a website thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, yeah. one, it's got to fit in well with the perceived brand. Sure. Of course. And two, you, you're, whilst you're using or leveraging the affiliate model, mm. you're not really talking to the affiliate people alone. No, in the small no. owner-managed brands, and it's all one and the same anyway, but it's when it gets a bit beyond that, you're into brand managers, you're into website managers, you're into e-com directors. Mm -hmm. I think that is as much the barrier because your model is affiliate. Sure. But what you're really looking for is to deal with a website Right. All that comes you're almost, you're almost saying we're leveraging the tools that affiliate has to offer to make this easier. I'm, to... not, I'm not almost saying that's exactly what I'm saying. That's exactly what you're doing. Yeah. And that is a beauty of affiliate. Sure. It brings that opportunity. Sure. So then maybe that, that brings us full circle to your original question to me, which was, you know, Charlie, how do you differentiate between the traditional network and a SaaS provider, right? I'd come back to you and say, like, if the future is technology in terms of being able to use 
utilize those tools and the tools that you're describing aren't they that first sort of step towards a community and a marketplace and an ecosystem and an ecosystem uh, uh, yeah. uh, absolutely yeah. but where do you find them so how it, do they all you know you take these 10 15 20 texts so they all have to orbit around every single goddamn network and integrate individually with each network yeah. and the answer right now is yes yes well, that's a huge amount of investment If you're working with an agency to grow your client's use of affiliate marketing, because mm. that's what you're making on, do you then say, different sort of publisher, this different sort of inventory, this brand-to-brand -brand partnership inventory is where I want to take you, because I can see that that is going I, to be we, the So yeah, so sector. 100%. We educate people on a regular basis about what those opportunities are. And we give those publishers an opportunity to get in front of our advertisers themselves because that's half the battle as well. I don't want to pretend to be an expert in whatever that publisher does. It is far more effective to create the relationship or enable a conversation. But at the end of the day, it's up to the advertiser to say, that makes sense for me or that doesn't. And I think my experience has been that it is much easier and I think Mark you hit it on the head it is a it is a much easier process when you don't have to get five different teams involved to put something on a website when it's one or two people who can make that decision and make that happen it is a much smoother opportunity it's a much, it's much smoother play we all should consider do we think that the CEO of a big organization knows about affiliate because I'm not sure they do. I think they just hear it as a line item. Why, why, I'm saying, why would they? they why would they, they, right? I would argue that a good CEO has an idea of what's working for them in the marketing department. I think they describe it as, here's how we did in performance, and it's one line. Sure, or here, you know what I mean? social, here's how you yeah. do in search. I don't think it goes down to any sort of detail. And, and I think the, the question's interesting. The question back to our uh, friendly neighborhood associations. The question is there to be asked. And I think Charlie makes a really good point. The idea that as a channel, we're often caught out navel gazing. And isn't it about time that our associations, our fellow networks are started asking these questions because surely we need to know. I'd be very surprised if the larger networks were not often found associating with the largest publishers that were going to extend the inventory, often found associating with the larger brands and their CEOs and CMOs and putting themselves in front of them. But it's, it's not obvious. And unless you bring that together right. and you put it in front of the larger world that is keen to market themselves, yep. keen to continue to ride the wave that is the uh, digital revolution that will last forever now. But, but the, the navel gazing is an issue at this, at this sector for many, talk, many years. If you talk to anyone who so. runs one of the trade bodies, they will say getting money out of the members is incredibly difficult. And to go around the big trade shows and actually reach CEOs and CMOs would require a five times budget over what they probably I, have. I, I agree, but I guess like my, my commentary to that would be okay. We all agree to a certain extent that the networks and the publishers and the agencies are going to shows anyway. They're spending the money, mm. right? It's a reallocation. For the reallocation and saying, listen, PMA, 
the $5,000 that we were going to put into sponsoring lanyards, we'd like to put into sending you and putting people on stage perhaps, to talk about it. Perhaps Clarion or Hello Partner need to or, almost organize that trade delegation because they're more familiar with getting substantial amounts of money out of the players in the industry wow. for I, trade I, shows. But does a trade show want, like, again, you just named two bodies that put on trade shows. You just named affiliate trade shows. But at least they they actually get the the eyeballs of the chief executives of the um, affiliate networks to sign on the bottom line. Right, right. And in a different world, in a more effective world, it should be the trade body who is able agree. to say to the CEO, "Hey, we have an opportunity for you. Would you be interested in investing in this opportunity?" And that's. That would be like what I would love to see that trade body so, do. So what I might do is invite Kevin Edwards or Trisha onto the Moonpool podcast and ask them that question when Kevin was asking about setting up the UK Trade Association. This was my number one point I made to him, get outside the affiliate industry. Well, and I, I think if you had Kevin or Trisha, and I, you know, Trisha and I have had these conversations to an extent, it, it's what you've both said. It is difficult to get the money to make things happen, whether it is a successful survey or putting on an event or, or, I mean, and sometimes even getting people, getting that trade body to be able to afford to present at a conference or be present Ooh, at, I mean, expensive. it's expensive. Mm -hmm. Travel's expensive. Attending, having a booth, you know, none of these things are cheap. Um, but I think if you expand the value outside of looking in, and presenting affiliate externally, there would be more money flowing in and you could say it's flowing in because we've done X or because we put our we put your CEOs on a stage at this event. Like you have a much better base to stand on if you're bringing money into Yeah. A it's, a, it's a tough one. I mean, you know, we could go to the networks and say, here's a trade body tax and you've all got to pay it. I mean, it's the unfortunate way that people look at these things. It's, yeah. you know, I don't want to be part of a of this group. I think this represents me. I don't like the people running it. I don't like the idea that somebody else is there. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the challenge is obvious in terms of this conflict between the players in the market. And we have to somehow bring everybody together where everybody pays to play. That's the market they promote after all and becomes part of this opportunity to really present the sector outwardly. But you just used the keyword opportunity, right? Mm -hmm. People will pay for an opportunity, right? So the question that the trade bodies need to ask is what are the opportunities that they can present to folks that they would be willing to pay for? Because right now, I don't know the, the absolute value that they can ask for if they're not bringing distinct opportunities. I'm going to take us back to okay. what did you do before affiliate marketing, Charlie? Oof. Um, so I got a degree in computer engineering from the University of Delaware, and I had a friend whose father 
needed a programmer right out of school. So right out of school I was coding. Intake software for retina specialists. And what I learned was I'm much better at talking to somebody and understanding their needs than I am at coding. I am <laughs> not the best coder in the world. So when did you last write a line of code? Oof. Real line of code? 2010, 2011. Okay. I mean, I've, so I've written some since college. Then? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I you wrote code at AOL, I didn't know that. I did, but it, it, to be fair, I, I, saying I wrote code is not fair to people who wrote real code, yeah, yeah, right? I, I was writing VBA and, and Python scripts to make people's lives easier in the finance departments and, and helping the company. It's on the BI side. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was yeah. very BI focused. Um, and that's sort of how I ended up working in uh, the Skunk Works team that was at AOL and Time Warner, sort of finding companies. I was on a team well, that exactly. helped find at yeah, yeah. so you know, we, and that's how I ended up in affiliate. And then from there, it's been affiliate nonstop. It was uh, Biat, then it was a, a brief stand at AWIN, then partnerized for 13 years, and now oh, all-inclusive marketing. I hadn't appreciated you had a stint at AWIN. Yeah, okay. yeah. AWIN, when they acquired Biat, were kind well. enough to bring some of us on board. Spent a little over a year there helping them get their initial sort of Okay. Offerings in the U.S. and, and their uh, offices in the U.S. and then Partnerize popped up and it was an opportunity. It's such a disappointment. I was hoping Farmer from Kansas oh. was where you were. No, no, no. The closest I can get to that, you know, my wife keeps chickens and bees. They're your wife's chickens. They're definitely my wife's chickens. She names them. So the Is that just before you eat them. We know. <laughs> I, I believe you eat the eggs. In the only the eggs. Only the eggs. Yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Only the eggs. It's there's a, a general rule that I follow is if something has been named, you probably shouldn't eat it. Like if I know something's name, I I try not to to eat it. Mark. <laughs> I feel safe. Yeah, you should in your company. Yeah, yeah. Finally, there you go. After Finally, you feel safe. And what's, threatened. The, what's the funniest thing you can remember about Philip Marketing? What sticks in your mind as a story that? God, there's been so like many. There's so many fun stories. I mean, I think it, uh, for me, it's going back to my early days in affiliate marketing, because I was. I was coming from AOL and a company called Advertising.com, and we were really focused on programmatic, and you know, it wasn't so much about the relationship building and, and knowing people, which is sort of how I think of affiliate marketing to this day. I came over to Newcastle, which was my first time in Newcastle, and I got to see the lunacy that is an affiliate network's floor of service people and techies and people just throwing things at each other and shooting darts from their Nerf guns at each other. I think that's the most lunatic environment I've ever just walked into. Like, I, I had no idea what I was walking into and it was just... Given that it was about six months after I left by it, clearly the culture changed after I, I left. I, 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 you know, I don't want to, I don't want to curse too much, but some of the funniest moments were just people yelling because they got hit in the head with a ball 
while they were on the phone with like a banker, and they're just cursing. Uh, like, can, <laughs> I can remember someone saying, "Excuse me, may I please put you on hold for just a moment?" And then standing up and just cursing at the whole room. I'm on the phone with the bank and just losing it. Like, so so different than the environments that I had come from where it was like you sat in your cubicle and you were sort of like grinding away at your at your work. So is that the culture you're going to encourage at AIM? You know, AIM... <laughs> AIM is a great place. They've been 100% remote since they were founded 15 years ago. So there are You need are a bigger no Nerf gun. You, you need, need a, a much bigger Nerf gun. You need a gun. much bigger Nerf gun That's to what you hit need. others. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I believe they call them missile launchers, and I'm not <laughs> sure that they want to give me one these yes. days. You know, I, I, have you guys found that people are like wanting to go back to offices yes I've, I've, you know what this is strange i work across a few businesses and there's no exclusivity to this every business has a growing number of people mm. that appreciate time spent together and, I, I, I and they miss that I time agree. i think there's been a, a freedom and all the challenges that brings and all the opportunities sure, that sure. brings that remote working has and it does certainly suit certain industries and it certainly suits certain people. But I think that people broadly, it's quite a generalism because let's go 50% of people are missing that time together. I mean, I do. The creativity yeah. that springs from that. I think that's, that's, if anything, that's the bit I miss. I mean, I kind of like the idea of hybrid. I think when you have hybrid there, if you force the hybrid, it's no longer hybrid it's at all. It's not hybrid anymore. It's just yeah. forced going to yeah, the yeah, office yeah, yeah. And, and everybody's got to force to be working together. Yeah. And sooner or later, you'll get back to force fun and have to go to the pub with me. So the, <laughs> the, the, the Tuesday to Thursday crowd, you there is a, a lovely acronym that one of my ex-neighbors told me about Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And it's that. And because it became... Charlie's face, by the way, has not uh, worked this out. Yeah, I haven't worked it out. So wait, they call it Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday? Get there, Charlie. Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Steve W. A. Twats. Yeah, there you go. Sorry. No, it's okay. Now I've had to say it. I'll see you next Tuesday, though. I'll see you next Tuesday. You certainly will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think the challenge with it is we're trying to put constraints and all this structure around this thing that needs to be quite fluid. I think people, those that want to spend time in offices should still be given this relative freedom to be in the office. Otherwise, we're going to go backwards. And what the, what the whole pandemic brought for, I think, a lot of businesses is that realization, that recognition, that remote working was very feasible. Let's face it, we had all the technology mm. and then we used Zoom when we had to. And then we yeah. started using Teams because we didn't realize yeah. collaborative software has had its moment it's now growing up and we've sure. grown up with it and sure. so you you aren't restricted to any one thing and the challenge is this that people want to be fully remote or people want to be full in the office normally some sort of manager i want to be fully remote full in the, full in the office actually what's wrong with having the best of all of those well i mean what you're yes. the, the issue the risk that you're describing to the business is cost though sure well right. to yeah. have an office in the to have an office yeah, that's yeah, a, yeah yeah that's my point right so i, mean, I think yeah. how many businesses were able to save tens if not hundreds of thousands of dollars on an annual basis by saying i don't need that office well i know some businesses had its most profitable year with covid because they just cut costs no travel no none of this none of that there was Um, a business i was in that that was actually acquired last year and they have a they still retain a a good presence in what you call headquarters in their main city they're closed at other remote offices because frankly by that point they kind of realize 
we can work remotely and have them down to the main the right. main place when we need it. Right. And of course, coming out of the pandemic is all very confusing for people. You had to, you know, only so many, many people could go into the office for a short period of time and getting them back was slightly difficult. But over time, it just became normal again. There was no new normal. We were just going back to where we were, this time with a little bit more awareness of what other things we could do and what other things we could try. Yeah, the flexibility but there. I, I do yeah. agree. Uh, g- given the the forced version of back to the office, because that I think is is challenging to retention when uh, I completely people have so many choices. I completely. Agree. I think the openness of having an office, having uh, the ability to spend time with other people, I think it's being lost. Is, uh, I, I, I think it's being forgotten. I mean, there are people in businesses that I'm in who have never worked in an office. It's their first job. Their only awareness of business is the last four years yeah it's crazy i mean it's, it's crazy to yeah, us it's crazy to, us. to them yeah, it's yeah, just yeah, perfectly yeah, yeah. It's normal. normal yeah and yeah, yeah, you know yeah. you onboard them in a number of teams calls and off they go right right but there's another business i'm in which has a, a beautiful office actually down uh in uh, in wiltshire and we opened the office and kind of gave people the freedom to come and in and utilize the office right. and of course in the end what happens you run out of desks because you didn't realize actually people, people do enjoy it. But there are a lot of days there's only a handful of people in. So it, it, it's a bit of a balance, a bit of swings around us. But I do agree. I think that as, especially in, in, in all businesses, we have a responsibility to give that opportunity yeah. to spend time with your colleagues, to, uh, to elect, to work in a way that suits you a little bit more. Sure. And in return, everybody's got responsibility who works for that to make sure that they're, you know, they're, they're, they're treating it well and, and purposefully and, and achieving what they can. So, but yeah, I think it's, a, it's such a strange thing. Take, take yourself back five years. Mm. The question doesn't exist. No, no. <laughs> well, what do you mean, go to the, uh, I'm going to the office tomorrow, Charlie? Yeah. You know, I'm going to the office every goddamn day, Charlie. Yeah. Uh, I used to commute to London for 90 minutes in the train. It's nothing to an American, but to me it was... Brutal. It was, it was yeah. Is there a pub you associate with affiliate marketing? Is there a pub I would yeah, associate with affiliate marketing? Where you've had important meetings, where you've... At a pub? Yeah. Nah, I'm t- I, I've been in America too long. Yeah, I wish I could say. I can say there are there are cities that I associate to, to affiliate marketing. Which are? Las Vegas. Yes, to Affiliate Summit. Or affiliate she- Summit, yeah. London. For all the reasons, <laughs> I mean, this is where Newcastle, because I, that sort of feels like home in terms of the businesses that I've been a part of. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't think I can name a pub. I don't think I can name a pub. Can you? Yeah, I would say there's. You've got the fourth in Newcastle, right opposite the original okay, pit okay. lane Byatt office. All bar one on Regent Street on a Friday night. Byatt used to Jesus Christ. Quite I mean, a lot that of drinks is there. I mean, Mark, as somebody who's not hanging out in Newcastle all the time, you know, do you have a do you have a pub that you would associate? There is uh, the Square Pig in in Holborn. It's near the WPP offices as well, or Group M offices. So that's where the original time of of TMN we were there for. I was going to say for Thursday nights. What I meant is for four years. I don't think I left. <laughs> yeah. Monday to Thursday is, yeah, yeah, is yeah. what it was. I think that, and there's a couple of others. I think you, there are each of the networks tends to yeah. be near a pub. I think that the the interesting thing about digital, and it's not just affiliates, it's, it's throughout the entire time of 2000 and 
2001 through to 2010. Mm. Yeah, it, it, a lot of a lot of a lot of work and play in balance. Well, I, I I will say you know something we talked about before. I think country to country and maybe city to city. To be honest, the culture of our industry is different, right? I mean, the way that business gets done in the U.S. is a little bit different than the way business gets done in the U.K. and you know, every other country in the world. But I will say the U.K. has got the single strongest pub business mentality I've seen in the world, and I've been to a few places. So you've, you've got that oh, going for you. I think that's fair. Is that why you're back? That's why I came <laughs> back. That's why I always come back. That's why, you come that's why back. I come back as much as I can. Nice. And finally, have you got one thought for affiliate marketing going forward? What would you recommend to people or the industry? I, you know, we've talked about it a lot in this yeah. conversation. I'll keep coming back to it. Affiliate has to get outside of affiliate. And that's no easy task, and I'm not suggesting that anybody can solve that overnight. But if affiliate is going to continue to be a successful arena for years to come, it has to grow. And the only way that I think affiliate is going to grow successfully is by getting more eyeballs on it and more dollars brought in from outside affiliate as it is today. Thank you very much, Charlie. It's been a pleasure talking with you more formally than we often have done. Yeah. And now we are going to go to the carpenter and walrus. Okay, around. we're going to go to the bar. See, I told you, this there is the go. mentality of this business. I All love right, it. That again. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you for joining Charlie, Mark and Stephen for this Affiliate Pub Takeaway. And watch out for the next conversation wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>